as we go through our day today, Lord, uh, uh, we look into your word. Your will guide and direct in that. Or may we be sensitive to it. And I pray that you'd help us to rightly divide and rightly uh, teach your word, give clarity of thought and mind, both in the speaking and in the listening, that we would understand it clearly and uh, that it would be a help and a blessing to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're in Exodus chapter number 20. And last week we finished um, the last of the ten commandments that are given here. Now this... This is the first time in the history of man uh, that God has written His law uh, in this manner. Uh, but I will say this, that even prior to the giving of the law, uh, there was an a, a unwritten but a moral law that guided man. Uh, even from the time of Adam and Eve when Cain uh, murdered Abel and God uh, uh, certainly uh, had already instituted that they were not supposed to murder. They weren't supposed to kill. And so a lot of these laws that are now written specifically in, Ex- in Exodus chapter 20 were still already being practiced and already understood that these are the things that are the laws. And so uh, last week we mentioned that we're going to spend a little bit of time before we move on the rest of the chapter dealing with why, why did God give the law, what's its purpose, and is it applicable today in the day that we live? And uh, so I want you to keep your Bibles handy. We're going to look at several passages of Scripture. Turn with me, if you will, to Galatians chapter number 3. Galatians chapter number 3. Hold your place in Exodus 20. We're going to be back there. But look with me in Galatians chapter number 3. And uh, we gave just a brief introduction into this last week, I believe, and, and we're going to expound on that a lot more this week. And uh, we have a lot of Scripture to look at today, so keep your Bibles handy, if you will. Galatians chapter number 3, and let's look down to verse number 22. Paul writing here, he says, But the Scripture uh, hath concluded all under sin, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up under the faith which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. Now, keep those verses in mind for a few moments. I want to make a couple of statements based on that. Number one, it was never God's intent to give a law that if we were able to keep that law, it would be counted to us for the righteousness before God, that we would be able to achieve perfection, or that we would be able to achieve eternal life through the keeping of the law. That was never his intent. The intent in giving the law in Exodus chapter number 20 was to provide you and I a standard of God's holy character, first of all, and secondly, to show us that man cannot reach or attain that holy standard on this side of heaven. It's not going to happen. It is a schoolmaster that is intended to bring us to Christ, to show us, our need of a Savior, to show us that it cannot be by our works. Because even if we were to keep the letter of the law in Exodus chapter number 20, and as he teaches again later on in the book of Matthew, that even if a man looks upon a woman to lust after her in his heart, he's committed adultery already with her. And that not only was it the keeping of the letter of the law, but even the the heart of the matter. 
And the Bible teaches us very clearly that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I'm thankful that um, the churches, uh, Brother Mark, I think, was telling me here a couple weeks ago as he left, he said, Pastor, this place is a hospital. He said it's great for, Christian, for people that are here and they have faults and they have problems to come and learn and to grow and get those things fixed. And he said it's a hospital. I thought, boy, what a great ex- uh, description of this church and churches like it. Uh, because the truth of the matter is, even though sometimes outwardly we may do everything the, the best that we can and every, everything right, uh, what about the heart of the issue? Are we always right on the inside? And so in, in establishing the law, God was not giving us something to try to achieve to gain eternal life. That was never his intent. It was showing us his perfect and his holy character and saying, now we're not going to be able to do it. Turn with me to the book of Romans. Romans chapter number 3. And let's look in the, let's go down to verse number 20, verse number 12, yeah, probably verse 20, I think will be fine. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall, how many flesh? No flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. For all have what? Sin and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be the propiti- a propitiation through what? Not works, but through faith. In his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Now understand this, that in the book of Matthew, Jesus taught his disciples that unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, that they cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now understand the scribes and Pharisees, they prided themselves in keeping in every aspect the letter of the law, didn't they? Remember the rich young ruler who came to Christ and said, What good thing must I do to be saved? And Jesus told him, Go and keep all the commandments. And he says, This have I done as a child. And what was Christ's response? Was it, Congratulations, you're saved and on your way to heaven? No, he went on to say, That's not enough. Let's do something else. Now go and sell all that you have and give to the poor. And the Bible says he went away uh, uh, sorrowful because he had a lot of wealth. But even if the young man had gone and sold all that he had and given it to the poor and then came back to the Lord Jesus Christ... Christ would have given him another thing and then another thing and another thing and taken him all the way down to where there was nothing left but for him to put faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because everything that he could do was not enough. It was only by the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the Bible says that this righteousness that you and I have to have in order to achieve eternal life had to be greater than that of the scribes and Pharisees. That means that not only did the keeping of the law by the letter had to be done, but also the keeping of the law by the heart had to be done. No man has been able to do this. And this is the purpose of the law. It's the schoolmaster to show us we cannot do it. In fact, Paul told Peter, he says, you're putting a burden on the Gentiles that even our forefathers could not keep. He says it's something we cannot do. It's our schoolmaster. And had we not known the law, we would not know that we were in need of redemption. 
We would not know that we were short of the glory of God. It was necessary for the law to be there to teach us that we fell short of it, that we were not meeting the standard of God. I thank God for the law because it helps us to come to a place where we realize we need salvation. The only person that's ever lived that met in every point the perfection of the law, not only in the letter but in the intent, was the Lord Jesus Christ. His is the only one that was greater righteousness than the scribes and the Pharisees. And you know what the Bible tells us is that when we put our faith and trust in Him, in His shed blood on Calvary, that He imputes that righteousness to us. He gives it to us. He gives it to, to our account. He places it on top of us. So I want us to understand that uh, nowhere was the keeping of the law ever designed to bring justification to man or redemption to man. It was simply there to teach us. It was the tutor. And as we read in Galatians, once we come to the Lord in faith, we no longer are under that schoolmaster. Now, does that then mean, and Paul, Paul said this, uh, he said, uh, I have liberty, but he, says, he, said, he made this statement. He says, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. And the idea being that then does the law just lose its effectiveness? Is it no longer needed at this point? No, no. Even though we're not bound under the law at this point, we do understand its teachings as to the nature of God. What we're bound with now is walking in the Spirit of God. We do so now not out of obligation or legal requirement, but we now do it because of love. We now walk in, in line with the law because we see it as God's nature, and we now say, I now follow it, not because of the legal binding it is upon me, but I now do it because I love God, and I'm empowered to do so. And this is the greatest truth. I'm empowered to do so by the Holy Spirit of God. Isn't that an amazing thing? You know, you and I, in and of ourselves, we cannot keep the law. We cannot, we cannot meet the standard of God. And how many times uh, we've tried and we've tried and we've tried and we have failed. But you know, the Bible teaches us that God makes a way of escape in every temptation. That God gives us the Holy Spirit of God that enables us to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. To be doing better and better every single time. I like the fact that I was talking to someone just, uh, in fact, just this past Wednesday. I was talking with a fellow. And I said, you know, it's interesting to me that Paul, who was one of the greatest Christians that I look at in Scripture... He was used as a human vessel to write more Scripture than any other man that we, that we know of. And yet at the end of his ministry, after Paul had done all of these wonderful things and, and died to self and brought his thoughts into captivity and, and uh, endured suffering and endured shipwreck and endured beating, we look at a man like Paul and we say, boy, I wish I could be like him. And, and he gets, in fact, he's the only one in Scripture, if you think about it, he's the only one that God allowed to write the words by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, be ye followers of me, even as I am of Christ. No other man was allowed to write those words. And, and, and so we look at Paul, and at the end of his ministry, he said, not as though I had already attained, or were already perfect. Paul got to the end of his life, and you know what he recognized? <laughs> as much as he had stro strove and, and, and tried and put the effort and pressed to be like Christ and to be perfect, he said, at the end of my life, I've not yet met it. In fact, at the end of his life, he said, I am the chiefest of sinners. Out of all the sinners that I know, I'm the very worst one that I know. He said, not as though I had already attained, 
But you know what I love about Paul's attitude? He said, I forget those things which are behind, and I press toward the mark. Not perfect, but I love God. And I'm empowered and enabled by the Holy Spirit to press toward the mark. So lest the Christian gets saved and says, okay, I'm no longer under the bondage of the law. I don't have to follow it anymore. No, 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 no. It was once used as our tutor, our schoolmaster. It was the one that brought us to a saving knowledge to realize we needed Christ. But now that we're saved and we understand the character of God, now we long to imitate it. Now we long to pursue it. We no longer serve because of legal bondage. We now serve because of love for the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus even taught this to his disciples. The, the lawyer came to him and said, so, uh, Master, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. He said, The second is likened to it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor and, as thyself. And then he made this statement. On these two laws hang all of the law and the prophets. All of this thing that used to be legally binding to us is now done out of love, and we do so by the enabling of the Holy Spirit of God in our lives. So is the law valid for today? Oh, yes. The standard is not minimized because we live under grace now. In fact, it's been held to a higher standard. We now serve because we walk after the Spirit. We now serve because we love God with all of our hearts, with all of our minds, with all of our souls. And can I tell you this? When we serve under obligation, we tend to do the very minimum that is required. But when we serve out of love, we always go above and beyond. And that's what Jesus began to teach His disciples, wasn't it? If a man compelled thee to go a mile, the law said you had to do it. And literally, in the city of Jerusalem, there were certain places where the Jewish boys were more prone to be picked on by the Roman soldiers to carry their burden. And they knew where those places were, and they took all the roads going out of the city, and they stepped off one mile exactly and placed a marker. And those Jewish boys, from any place that they could be told to bear a burden inside of Jerusalem, knew exactly how far they had to go to take that burden, and they would drop it and go no further. Why? Because it was the law. It was their obligation. But Jesus said, wait a minute. You ought not to act that way. You ought to have a love and compassion. And if a man compel thee to go a mile, you go with him twain. If a man take thy coat, you give him thy cloak also. When it comes to the law, God says, this is the minimum, this is my standard, this is my character. And under obligation, our human tendency is to do the very bare minimum. But under grace, we now do it because we love it. We now do it because we get to serve Him. And we don't just follow the minimum of the law, we go far beyond. We go as far as we can as we press toward the mark and the exampleship of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look with me, if you will, in Matthew chapter number 22. Jesus is teaching on the law. In Matthew chapter number 22, in verse number 36, we've read, we just mentioned about this. He says, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. 
This is the first and great commandment. The second was likened to it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, What think ye of Christ, whose son is he? They say unto him, The son of David. He saith unto them, How then doth David in spirit call him Lord? Saying, The Lord said unto the Lord, uh, unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand, till I make thine enemies thy footstool. If David then called him Lord, uh, how is he his son? And no man was able to answer him a word, neither durst any man from that day forth to ask him any more questions. Now, we understand that this law that uh, Jesus was teaching on here teaches us that we're to obey now out of love and not out of requirement or legal obligation. There came a time where the Bible says that God established a new covenant and that new covenant was because the old one was imperfect, because it was under obligation. It was not under love. Look with me in 1 Timothy chapter number 1. 1 Timothy chapter number 1. And let's look in verse number 5. Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and out of a good conscience... And of what? Faith, not works. And with faith, and then I like this word, unfeigned. There's a lot of people who go around and try to project the fact to others that they have faith. And the truth of the matter is, inwardly, there's no faith at all. An unfeigned faith is required, a faith that is genuine, a faith that is true. Now look back with me, if you will, to Romans chapter number 13. And verse number 8. Paul writes, Owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath what? Fulfilled the law. For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not cover. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, Work, uh, love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, the love is the what? The fulfilling of the law. Very important that we understand this. Look with me in Matthew chapter number 5. Matthew chapter number 5. And we're going to begin in verse number 17. I've got another page of Scripture that's torn here. so You'll have to paste it up here so I can see it. All right. Now, notice in verse 17, Jesus is speaking here. He says, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy. So understand that just because we get saved, that doesn't mean the law has no, no benefit to us. But he said this, I am come but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass... One jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one of the least, one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoso shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Ye have heard that it was said of them by old time, Thou shalt not kill, that, 
and whosoever shall kill be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoso shall say unto his brother Araka shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberst that thy brother have aught against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way first, be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. There are several things I want to give you, five of them, uh, very quickly, and we'll be done, about Christ's coming. Now, Christ was the fulfillment of the law. He met the legal demand. He met the legal requirement that enables him to give us his righteousness, and it be enough to meet the demands of the law. Now, notice what he, uh, five things here real quick I'm going to give you. Number one, Jesus did not come to destroy the law. He wasn't here to just do away with it. He was here to fulfill it. We still have it to show us God's character, and so we live after that. We found that in Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 17. Number two, doing and teaching the law today is still important. The Bible teaches us that the man who will do it and will teach it will be blessed, that this is something that we need to still continue to do to this day. Do we still teach thou shalt not steal? Absolutely. When they took the Ten Commandments out of a lot of our courthouses, uh, look at the moral disintegration of our society as a whole. You say, Brother Greg, was that over the Ten Commandments as as, uh, just individually? No, that was because we said uh, we're going to put away the law. We're going to take and and not have a, a moral absolute from God. And uh, so it's very important that we still have it today and that we need to be teaching it today. We do not teach it in such a way. And this is the problem with some churches and some denominations. When we teach the law, we teach it in a manner that will draw men to Christ, not setting a legal boundary or mandate for them to achieve in order to get to Christ. Do you understand the difference? One is saying you must follow this law or you won't make it to Christ. The other is saying this is God's standard. We can't meet it. You need a Savior, and we bring them to Christ. Do we understand the difference here? Am I saying that clear enough? Everybody understands that. I don't want to confuse anybody. But there are a lot of churches out here, and those that will teach a works doctrine are saying that you have to have a keeping of the law in order to maintain righteousness and get to heaven. We as God's people that have already been saved by faith Say, no, the work has been done. It's already been fulfilled in Christ. Now our faith in Him is what brings us to Him. And now we come to Christ by faith. So understanding this, that doing and teaching of the law is still important today, but must be done in a manner that draws men to Christ and does not set the mandate of perfection to be saved or to gain your salvation. Very important that we, you know, we we use the term legalism oftentimes. Well, that's a legalistic approach. And uh, oftentimes we say, well, uh, you've heard people say, well, standards are legalism. If you're saying that you have to keep the standard in order to be saved, that's legalism. If you're saying that you must keep the standard in order to be pleasing to God because it fits His character, that's just teaching the law the way it should be taught. You understand the difference there? One is it's required for salvation. The other is it's what we ought to do as Christians because we understand God's character. And we need to understand that way. So hope that clears that up and you understand that. Number three, in order to be saved, we must have righteousness that exceeds the law by keeping uh, uh, the law-keeping of the scribes and Pharisees, which was only fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. Only by putting our faith and trust in Him and Him alone are we ever able to make it 
to heaven. It's not by the keeping of the law. It's not by our works. Number four, the law must be kept in its full spirit and not just the letter. It must be kept in its full spirit and not just the letter. And number five, the law reveals God's perfect standard and requires His perfection in us. And again, is used to show us that we will all come short of the glory of God. We are in need of a Savior. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 48. So I uh, gave those fairly quickly. We'll hit one or two real quick tidy up points next Sunday morning uh, in Sunday school. But I hope that will help us understand not only the purpose of the law today, but what it was used for back then, why God did it, and uh, how it, it does still play a very, very important part in our lives today. All right? Let's pray together. Father, we're so thankful for your word. We pray that you'll bless it and use it. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to strive to press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That we would have a desire to emulate you, to have you as our example. And I pray that you'd help us to be as much like you as we possibly can as we grow in the grace, the knowledge that you give us through your word. Lord, may we strive for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. We'll be back in just a few moments, uh, about 15 minutes.